0: Glory to Glory, the radio teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbour. Join with us now as Pastor Joe Pettick teaches from the book of Revelation, chapter 18.
1: If you can please turn with me to Revelation chapter 18, picking up in verse 1. We put a title on the message uh, here this morning called Light Touch. I'd like to ask you a question something for you to think about. Would you say that you have a light touch on the things of this world, the things that God has put in your life? Uh, would you say, in all honesty, I have a light touch on those things? Your house, your vehicle, your bank account, your electronic devices. You get a laugh for that one, huh? <laughs> it's funny that I heard a youth pastor talk about he had a, a he had a retreat with his, his youth and he told the youth, you know, we're going to do a fast. And he says, okay, he says, I've decided instead of doing a fast for food, we're going to do a fast for electronics and no phones and no communication. And there was just like the whole place like no, no, no. And he says, well, how many would rather do a food fast? And he said like 95% of the kids raised their hands. Do we have a light touch on the things that we have in this world? I believe it's healthy for us to have a light touch on the things that God has put in our lives. You see, everything that we have belongs to God. I remember when the Lord called me out here from Michigan and I had you know, a life in Michigan, the corporate world, and my house and a bunch of things. And I remember you know, coming out here and I basically had you know, four luggages filled with commentaries. And I just said, you know, I just let everything else go. And I'll tell you, it felt so good to have a light touch on the things of this world. But it's a continual battle for us, I believe, to to really have a light touch on on everything that God has put in our lives. So we're to keep that light touch. And we're going to look in chapter 18 of Revelation here. We're going to look at people that were basically possessed by their possessions. And hopefully that's none of us here today. So with that, let's look at Revelation 18, verse 1. And it says, After these things I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. Imagine this angel comes down, and the whole earth is illuminated by the glory of this angel. And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, has become a dwelling place for demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people. Lest you share in her sins, and lest you receive of her plagues. For her sin have reached to heaven, and God has remembered her iniquity. Render to her just as she rendered to you, and repay her double according to her works. And the cup which she mixed, mixed double for her. And the measure that she glorifies herself, and live luxuriously, in the same measure give her torment and sorrow. For she says in her heart, I sit as queen, and I am no widow, and will not see sorrow. Therefore, her plague will come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord who judges her. The kings of the earth who commit fornication and live luxuriously with her will weep and lament for her when they see the smoke of her burning. Standing at a distance for fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, the mighty city, for in one hour... Your judgment has come. In chapter 17, we, we looked at spiritual Babylon or religious Babylon. We, we looked at the fact it, that all the world religions are going to come together and there's going to be a one world religion and, and they're going to help, I believe, the, the Antichrist to come into power. And, and once the Antichrist is in power and he's ruling over uh, you know, the world, he's going to discard these religions. And he's going to say, no, 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 worship me. He's going to sit in the temple, and he's going to declare himself to be God, and he's, he's going to totally discard, and he's going to destroy this, this harlot, this spiritual, religious Babylon. But now in in chapter 18, we see a different Babylon. It's more of a commercial Babylon. And I believe that the Antichrist possibly, when it says Babylon, he'll be in Iraq. And in Iraq, he's going to have his kingdom. And it's speculation. We're not for sure if that's what's going to happen. But it seems as if the Antichrist will rule out of Iraq for a while. and And he's going to be a ruler over not only the political world, but also commerce. And no one can buy or sell without taking a mark as we looked at in previous chapters. But think through this with me for a little bit. The, the church is going to be raptured, right? So there, hopefully there'll be millions of people taken out of the earth, right? And then in chapters 6 and 9, we learn that, that, uh, that about half, if you combine those plagues, about half of the world's population is going to be destroyed, Right? So millions with the church, half of the world's going to be taken out, it's going to be destroyed. That means that there's going to be a lot of wealth, there's going to be a lot of property, there's going to be a lot of houses, there's going to be jewelry, there's going to be all kinds of possessions that are going to be left behind. And I believe what's going to happen is that the world, it's going to be like a frenzy. They're going to have all this possession, and they're going to be so possessed by their things, taking hold of the things of the world. It affects the whole nation. In verse 3, it tells us that, and all the nations have drunk of the wine of the the wrath of her fornication. They're all drunk with this. And if you look in verse 23, the latter part of verse 23 in this chapter says, for your merchants were the great men of the earth. But then it says, for by your sorcery, all the nations of the earth were deceived. So that word sorcery is pharmakia. That's where we get our, our our word of pharmacy or drug. It's so it's almost going to be like a drug. The whole world's going to be just like in this drug state that, oh, possessions, and that's where things are at. It's, it's our house, it's our jewelry, it's our bank accounts, and the whole world is going to have this terrible frenzy for wealth and greed. But if you look with me in back in verse 4, and it's up on the screen, but it says, and I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people lest you share in her sins, unless you receive of her plagues, do you get what this other angel is saying? This other voice is saying, it's saying it's telling the people. In other words, my people, the believers. So there's such a frenzy, but the believers, some of the believers are getting caught up with this whole greed stuff and this whole, you know, we must have these possessions. So the, the call goes out: Come out of her, my people. Come out of her. In other words, don't get caught up in this drug. Don't get caught up in this, this misconception that you that you need all these things to be happy. And he's calling them out, saying, I'm going to judge, so you need to come out. You need to remove yourself. A warning. You know, as I think through that, I, I think, you know, I could see how the believers during the time of tribulation is this—that's what's going on. This is the time of tribulation. I could see how the believers would would totally separate themselves from this one-world religion and say, "Well, sh- wait a second. There's nothing to do with Jesus. I don't want any." That's an easy thing. They can come out of that. They don't—they don't need that. But this whole thing of of uh, of wealth and all this stuff—it it intoxicates even some of the believers. Did you notice again? He says, "Come out of her, my people." They're intoxicated, and he's telling his people, come out because I don't want to have to judge you as I judge them. And I think through that, and obviously this is speaking to the time of tribulation. This isn't, it's not talking directly to us, and we're not going to be there, I I believe, uh, during the time of tribulation. We're going to be up in heaven, but is there application here for us? I think so. I believe so. I think there's great application for us in this to say, you know, God can bless us because God loves blessing his people, but are we caught up with our blessings instead of being caught up with him? And I believe it's good to keep our hearts in check and make sure we have a a light touch on the things of the world and we're to be totally separated to him. See, we can have God loves blessing us with different things, but, but are we attached to those things? Or do we have just a light touch? It's like, I see it as a picture. It's like, you know, we love the Lord. And it's like our, our, you know, we're just holding on to him. And then we've got all these things. Yeah, these are nice, Lord. Let's use that for your glory. Yeah, this is great, Lord. Let's use that for your glory. Let's use this for your glory. But some people, they don't, instead of being like this with the Lord, holding on to the Lord, they're holding on to their stuff like this. It's like, God, I love you, man. Whoa, I love you. Don't take this from me, please. You know, I want this. And he's saying, no, no, no. Separate yourself from that. Separate yourself to me. Come out from that. And it can get a hold of anybody, and we're to be separated to the Lord. Does that mean we can't have possessions and nice things? No, it doesn't mean that at all. It means that those things can't have us. And if they have you, you need to do a heart check. I need to do a heart check. My wife and I, we went to the missions conference about nine days ago, and we were just so blessed. We take that time as part of our, like a vacation time. We just, we leave Sunday after church. and We go out there and we, we, just, we just separate ourselves to that time. And we, we meet up with our friends like Don and Marta and different missionaries, Gunther and, and the, the Apples and just different ones. And we just love our time. We love hanging out, seeing what God's doing all around the world. We got to meet new friends, and Tom Doyle was uh, one of the speakers. He did a fabulous job speaking about the persecution that's going on in the church throughout this world. He he wrote a book, Killing Christians. You need to get that book and read it. I think it'll give you a great perspective on life and what our brothers and sisters are going through right now as we're sitting here in the comforts of this place. You know, Our brothers and sisters, they're, they're being martyred, killed. One of the stories he told, he told a story about how This one in in the Middle East, this uh, one man, before they killed him, before they crucified him, a believer, a Muslim that became a believer, they cut off his son's head and they played football with his son's head. The last thing that he saw before they crucified him on the cross. That's happening today, guys. And I don't know, but this conference really shook me up in such a wonderful way. Uh, It's I'll never forget the things that I heard, and I'll never forget the, the impact that it had on me to say, God, I'm living for you more. But my wife and I, we were, the last day, we were praying and we said, Lord, give us a divine appointment. We pray that every day. Give us divine appointments with the missionaries and anoint the, the speakers. But this day, it's our last day. We know we're driving back. And I, it's like, you know, on our drive, the people that we come in contact with, again, Lord, just give us divine appointments. And we want to, you know, be used more by you. That's a wonderful prayer. I would suggest saying that prayer, folks. I remember I, on our way out and we were the drive's in front of us. And I looked at the odometer and it said like over three, excuse me, under a quarter of a tank and so I says, oh, honey, we should probably stop and get fuel before we go. And, and she's like, well, can we stop maybe, you know, halfway? I said, no, it's probably better. We just stop now. And so right across from the conference center, we stopped at the gas station there, pumping gas. And the guy next to me, he notices the, our our SUV, and he says, hey, how do you like your SUV? And I says, oh, I love it. It's great, you know? And he says, I just bought mine. And he says, look at this. I says, oh, that's really nice. That's great. And he goes, yeah, I just bought it. He says, yeah, I love it, and this and that. And I says, well, ours really belongs to the church. And he goes, no way. He says, yeah." He says, what church? And so I told him, the church over here, he goes, he goes wow, he says, you know what? He says, I, I really need to get back to the Lord. And I says, yeah. He says, as a matter of fact, this is a crazy thing. I believe God sent you here. He says, because just this morning, I said, God, I'm so empty right now, and I, I need to get back with you. What do I do? And I says, well, I'll tell you what. He says, you haven't been going to church? No, I haven't gone to church in a long time. I said, you need to get back in church. I says, hey, the conference centers here, they've got a church there, there's great churches in the area, and just you know, so I, you know, try to get him hooked up with that. He's just like blown away. And I says, Well, we were just at a missions conference. He goes, No way, he goes, he goes, I've got a missionary heart. I go, really? <laughs> He says, you know what I do? He says, I go to the 99 cent store. He says, I buy a bunch of stuff. And he goes, I go to Cuba. I just take luggages full. He goes, I just give stuff out. And he says, it's just a wonderful thing. I just, I love doing that. And God's put that on my heart. And he says, but I'm so empty. And I says, well, let's pray right now. So there, the gas station, we prayed for this guy. He's just like walking on, on, on on air. He's just like, this is so good. God sent you guys. And this is great. This is such a divine appointment. I says, that's what we prayed for. And it was so awesome. Listen to this. I go to the pump after praying with him, and I look at the pump. It says like $22, and I'm like, wait a second. It should be like 60, 70 bucks. I go, 22, so I didn't think it was full. So no, it was full. I'm like, this is weird. And I'm going, honey. And she goes, well, the Lord did that. I said, no, but it just doesn't make sense. It should be a lot more. I mean, God just filled up my tank and didn't charge me. There's something more to this. But I believe I figured out what happened. I was looking at the odometer wrong. Seriously, I had over three quarters of a tank. I've never, and I can tell you, never in my life, I've never done this before. And I'm looking at the odometer, I'm like, or excuse me, not the, the gas gauge, not the odometer, the gas gauge. And I'm looking at it like, I am such an idiot. I had three quarters of a tank. And somehow my twisted brain thought it was less than a quarter of a tank. God, like, flipped my eyeballs this way or something. I don't know. And I'm like, this is totally God. I knew it was a divine appointment. I knew, you know, we were at the missions conference. He has a missionary heart, and we got him encouraged. We prayed for him, and he's going to get back in church, right? So I'm like, wait, we got to go back. I got to talk to this guy, because that's part of the story, you know? So I I go back. He's on the phone. Listen to this. He's on the cell phone talking to his mom that loves Jesus. Mom, guess what? I rededicated my life to Christ, and I'm walking with Jesus right now. And I told him the whole gas gauge thing. And he's like, no way. I said, God loves you so much, he just twisted my brain for you. <laughs> the importance of being separated to the Lord. Paul the Apostle talking to the church in Corinth said, and I'll put it up on the board here. 2 Corinthians 6.11. Oh, Corinthians We have spoken openly to you. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted. Listen, this really stood out to me. Paul the Apostle is saying, you are not restricted by us. But what does he say? But you are restricted by your own affections. You're, you're restricted by your own affections. In other words, I'm not restricting you. I'm not, I'm not lording over you as the apostle. I'm not telling you what to do. But he's telling the church in Corinth, you guys are restricted. And the way you're restricted is because your affections are for the things of this world and not for the things of the spirit. And that's what's restricted your life. It's your affections. You're you're not affectionate for Christ like you should be. You have affection, so much affection for the things of the world and the people of the world. And he he goes on to tell them, and I won't go through this whole thing, to come out from them, come out from uh, the unbelievers because they're they're so caught up with them. But then the last part of this, I want to read this. In verse 17 of that chapter, it says, Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. And just listen to this, just like a a father's heart here. Verse 18, he says, talking for the Lord, I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Separate yourself to me. Paul is saying, he's speaking on God's behalf. He's saying, God's saying, separate yourself to me. Don't be affectionate so much for the things of this world and your old friends. That's 2 Corinthians 6 verses 11 through through 18, if you want to go back and look at that. I have to say, before I knew the Lord, I was very caught up with materialism. I had a very nice job. I was doing well financially. I had a nice house. and, And I remember that it was like who I was. I wanted people to think that I was something. And then if they saw the vehicle I drove, if they saw the house that I had, they saw the position that I had, then they would say, oh, Joe's something. I remember that I was living with this girl at the time. I didn't know the Lord, and I was living in sin, and she finally moved out. And when she moved out, she took all the furniture with her because it was her furniture. And I remember in my mind because I was just thinking about, oh, I need better furniture, and I'm going to make this place even look more impressive. And just the warpness of my thoughts, that that was my world. But shortly after that, I accepted Christ as my Savior. And I'll never forget, I was sitting in my living room and looking at the empty house, and I, I just accepted Christ. And I'm like, Lord, I could care less about furniture right now. I've got you. It doesn't matter. Because worse than an empty house, I had an empty heart that needed to be filled. And He filled me with His Spirit, and it changed me dramatically. And I wasn't so possessed with my possessions. And it's like, Lord, whatever. This is your house. Use it for your glory. And we had Bible studies there. We had prayer meetings at the house. And, and God just blessed it. I used to be concerned if someone would spill something on the carpet or break something. You know, that, that once I accepted Christ, I could care less about that anymore because I was at the extreme. So God needed to show me that these things aren't that important. That's not who you are. Once I got saved, he's like, no, this is who you are. You're a believer now. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Paul wrote to Timothy, 1 Timothy 6.17. 1 Timothy 6.17. He said, command those who are rich in this present age. So if you're here today, most of us in the world standard, if you look at the big picture, most of us would be considered rich compared to the rest of the world. But command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty. Do you notice that sometimes when... You have certain things that you can get an error about you. You're like, there's a haughtiness, like, like I'm something. I have this. and you, I mean, I, I was like that. You know, there was a haughtiness about me. It's like, yeah, that's my house. That's my... just garbage. Just, Paul's saying to the believers, if you've got riches, just don't be haughty. Don't, don't think that you're something, right? Nor trust in uncertain riches. Riches can come and go. So Paul's saying, tell the believers that have money to, that don't trust in those riches... But in what? But in the living God. That's what you trust in. And he goes on to say, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Did you notice that? Who gives us richly all things. In other words, he, you know, a lot of times when you're walking with the Lord, you're walking close to the Lord, you're content with the Lord, and, and he'll, he'll bless your work, he'll bless the things. And, and it's like, don't get so caught up in that. Get caught up in the blesser, the one that's blessing you. And enjoy those riches. Enjoy the things that God gives you. That's nothing wrong with it. Because they think there's another, you know, this, this vow to, prov- uh, to be to, to poverty, you know, to this vow. You know, there's people that do that. Oh, I'm going to be poor all my life, and I'm just going to whip myself and beat myself. You know, it's like, no, you don't need to do that. Enjoy what God has given you, but don't be consumed by it, is what Paul is telling Timothy. Enjoy, who gives richly all things to enjoy. When I was growing up, during my school years, I was blessed by being raised with my grandparents from time to time. You know, on and off, I would live with them. And I I loved living with my grandparents because they, they couldn't help themselves but to bless their grandkids. I mean, it was just that they just loved to do that. And my grandmother, oh, when I'd go out of the house, almost she'd always go up to me and say, do you have any money in your pocket? And I said, no, no. She'd say, here, here. She'd give me $20. She'd say, She's, don't tell anyone. Don't tell. Just take that. Like, okay. Mom's the word. <laughs> I won't tell nobody. <laughs> she never wanted me to go out of the house without money in my pocket. You know, it's just just the way she was. And my grandfather, we'd go out and he would... You know, across from the grocery store was the ice cream place, and he would take me there every time and bring me to the you know, get an ice cream, get whatever you want, you know, and be like, you know, he couldn't help himself. And you know I loved hanging out with my grandfather. (laughs) He's putting his shoes on to go to the grocery store. You know where I was going? I was putting my shoes on. (laughs) Let's go, Grandpa. I believe the Lord's the same way. He we serve a blessing God. He he blesses us with with goodness and spiritual goodness and richness and the fullness of His Holy Spirit. We, He's just a blessing God. And I believe that we miss out on those blessings when we're not separated to Him, separated to His goodness. Some verses have been really blessing me lately. This, this one stood out the other day, and I want to share it with you. Second Timothy 1.9, talking about Jesus who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Do you know you have a holy calling? But look, not according to our works, not not according to what we do, not according to, he didn't save us because, you know, oh, this one's going to work hard for my kingdom. No, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose. Did you notice that this, I read this verse, you've ever read a verse and you've read it maybe a hundred times before, but then you read it once and you're like, I don't even remember ever reading this verse before. That's how this verse stood out to me the other day. I read it, and I'm like, wow. He, he called us, not according to our work, but, but for his own purpose. And my question is, do you know what his purpose is, his own purpose for your life? He, he's, he's called us with a holy calling, and not according to our works, but he has a purpose, and, and it says, and grace. So he, but according to his purpose and his grace. What is grace? Unmerited favor. He's called you, and he's saved you by his grace, and he has a purpose. And as we look at the message of light touch, are we, are we in tune with the purposes of God for our life? The purpose that he has upon your life. That holy calling that God has on your life. He has a holy calling on every one of us. He, a holy calling. And when you're separated to the holy calling of God, there, there's nothing like walking in that holy calling that God has for you.
0: listening to glory to glory with pastor Joe Pettick an outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor if you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ call now at 714-788-8221 that's 714-788-8221 we'd like to extend an invitation to visit us here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach California 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Our Sunday service times are 10 a.m. and 12 o'clock noon. Our Tuesday evening Bible study begins at 7 p.m. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory.